Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's great to be here with you all. I wanted to draw our attention to some more people, not only Danny and not only Joe, from those who have been here and developed part of the legacy that is Nat Naz, but I wanted to bring mention to those who maybe the baton has been passed to now, and that is our youth. Yesterday we had a, a fundraiser that required some of our youth, about 15 of them, to come here at 8.30 on a Saturday morning to watch 33 small children. They gave up their Saturday to help raise funds to go to a conference next summer. But not only did they come to help raise funds for themselves, those youth have taken ownership of this church. This morning, Tate Bainfelt was here at 7 a.m. so he could play drums for you all before any of you got here. Simon Bourne, Brooklyn Leahy, were preparing coffee for you this morning before you got here. Cool Bomb is back here in the tech room, currently running my slides. Got here before all of you to help this be a day that means something. These are youth who not only gave up their Saturday mornings and Saturdays, but they get here before all of you. And we have youth right now over in the Faith Factory watching your kids right now so that you can enjoy this time. We have Danny and we have Joe, and we saw Dave a few weeks ago. But these are men and women who have come before us that we can then continue the legacy through our youth. And those are just a small portion of our youth. God continues to move through Napnas. And we need to recognize and understand how he is moving and who he is moving through for the lifeblood of this church. We continue in the book of Luke in the series of Advent, walking through the greatest story ever told, good versus evil, understanding our roles in that. And I would, I would invite you, yes, we have the words on screen, but would you bring your Bible, hard copy Bible, make notes, underline, question mark, do whatever you have to do to engage deeper and further into Scripture. We're going to continue in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39 today. Before we get there, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my own story. Many of you know much of my story, but when I first started feeling the desire for ministry, for vocational ministry in my life, I was scared to death. I was in the midst of an engineering program, which many of you know, but in and when it came to applying to a seminary in order to be trained in scripture and theology, the application process was a little nerve-wracking because it required me to go to my engineering professors and say, hey, thanks for the last five years, I'm changing routes. All of it meant nothing, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it required me to be vulnerable on the application. I was extremely immature, inexperienced, and insecure. And I had to write things on the application process uh, paper that I, I didn't want people to know about me. 
I had to go to a pastor and ask for a pastoral recommendation. Well, the pastor in Toledo of the church that I was attending at the time, he of all people knew how immature, insecure, and inexperienced I was. I had, in fact, I had hurt him in a particular fashion. And it required me to eat crow, essentially, to go to him and say, hey, would you fill this out for me because I want to do what you're doing. This application process left me completely terrified. Well, eventually I went to my professors and eventually I went to my pastor and I filled out the application, or half of it. Then I got scared and waited. And I waited and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to finish this. Months go by and eventually the desire is still there. And so I finish the application and I get accepted. And in the midst of getting accepted, graduation is now coming forward, and I haven't talked to anybody about this, not even my twin brother Jordan. I haven't talked to anybody about this desire that I had to go into ministry. Well, with graduation nearing, I'm like, something's got to give. I got to tell somebody about this. I can't just move to Dallas where the school was and just say, deuces. So in the midst of my fear, in the midst of my nerves, I, I go to my parents. I, I remember it vividly. And my parents are the uh, two strongest Christian people that I know. And I look at them, I'm like, hey, I think, I, I think I'm going to move to Dallas to pursue ministry. And in the midst of this vulnerability, in the midst of the nerves, wondering what in the world are they going to say? I just finished this engineering degree. What would seem to be logical and common sense? This is good, a solid foundation for your future. What are they going to say? And my dad just says, makes sense. Amen. No surprise to us. And I'm like, are you kidding? I have, I've been wading through these waters for months on end, figuring out what in the world am I going to do. And, and my dad, who, yes, is the most common, he's the one who encouraged me to go into engineering. And they just say, makes sense. Man, had I, had I just gone to them at the beginning, to talk to them at the beginning, to have that affirmation on my life, to, to not have the insecurity and the nerves and, and all this pressure, like what is my life, what am I going to do with my life, had I just gone to them at the beginning, man, my last year of college would have been much more enjoyable. As Christians... We are all called to be different. We all have a particular calling on our lives. In fact, we have a word for it. It's called sanctification. And if you were to ask any of our youth, they know what sanctification means. It means to be set apart and to be made more and more and more like Jesus. We are called to be different. The only thing about it is, is that Jesus was really different. He was really different in the world's eyes, and he was really different in the religious people's eyes. Yet we are called to be different friends today. It is scary. It is nerve-wracking. It leaves us wondering, how in the world does this make sense? Which leaves us with the question then, how should we respond when God calls us to be different? Even when we are scared that it doesn't make sense sense. 
as Christians today, we have, to, we have to analyze what God is doing in our lives and we have to be aware that God is calling us to something completely different or completely nonsensical or completely illogical and yet God wants to move in us in those ways that are different. Not just in the world's eyes, but sometimes in the eyes of our Christian brothers and sisters. And yet God continues to call us. So we continue our journey through Luke. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we disqualify ourselves because we say we're too limited. We, we don't allow God to work in our lives because of our own limitations. Last week, we talked about how we often place our own expectations before what God would have for us. And we hold our expectations close to our chest with closed fists. And we don't allow him to start building a door in our heart for him to move and enter into. Today we read a bit of the story where it just doesn't make sense. And we watch two characters live into the illogical, nonsensical. They go beyond their fear of it no longer being a secure route to live their lives. And they say, no, God is calling us. And in the midst of this story, I would continue to encourage all of us to recognize not only is this a story from a couple thousand years ago, but this is a story that when we read it and when we learn it, when we absorb it, we then learn and we begin to understand the roles in which God has cast for each and every one of us in the story of good versus evil as he continues to redeem the world in the midst of his kingdom. So we're in Luke chapter one, starting in verse 39. At this point in time, we've learned two things. We got pregnant women. We got one old lady who was never supposed to become pregnant, and we've got a young virgin girl who was never supposed to become pregnant, and yet they are carrying two babies. And this is where we pick up in our story. At that time, verse 39, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home, and greeted Elizabeth. If, you, if these names are unfamiliar to you, I would simply encourage you, go back and listen to the first couple of sermons of this series. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, right from the very beginning here, in these, these first couple of verses, we begin to notice, okay, Mary is the one. She is this young virgin girl who's been just told, hey, you are gonna become pregnant, in the last week, we learned that in the midst of Gabriel telling her this, he also said, hey, here's your confirmation. Your elderly aunt, she's pregnant too. The impossible has been done. If you want to make sure that this is true, go ahead and you will see for yourself. So Mary now hurriedly travels from Nazareth all the way down to Judea. She hurriedly finds community makes haste in haste she goes down she goes down to Judea she found community but here's the kicker here's what we need to make mention of here's what we need to realize she didn't just stay in Nazareth she didn't just stay with those close to her she didn't just stay close to her friends she made the several day trek down to Judea and this wasn't several days in a vehicle this was several days of trekking from Nazareth down to the hill country. She chose to go to those whom she knew had accepted the calling from God, not just 
anybody, she knew Elizabeth had also said yes to this calling. And in doing so, she then recognized, I need someone who also says yes to this nonsensical, illogical calling so that I can be affirmed by them. And in doing so, she too would be affirmed. She was told Elizabeth will be pregnant. She gets there and guess what? Elizabeth is pregnant months ahead of Mary. And in the midst of this coming, in the midst of Mary entering into the area, Mary then is filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, who is just a baby in her womb, leaps for joy at the sound of Mary coming. Friends, today, in the midst of us being called to a life that seems nonsensical to the world around us, it is for us to then choose to be surrounded by those who have also said yes to that calling. Not for us to just say, hey, I'm going to go find friends, or I'm going to go find a community that will tell me what I want to hear. Mary could have gone to anybody in Nazareth. She could have stayed to the relatives. She could have stayed to the friends. But no, she went instead to the woman that she knew had also said yes to the calling. She traveled far. Friends, when we become Christians, when we begin to experience God working on our lives to do something illogical or nonsensical, something different, something vulnerable, something that causes us to be a little bit different, we too must surround ourselves with those who have said yes to the nonsensical calling of God. And here's where it gets really cool. Because when we begin to get past our insecurities, when we begin to get past our, our inexperience, the, our limitations, our expectations, when we begin to go past our fears, two things begin to happen. Not only do we receive affirmation from other Christians saying, yes, God is moving in your life, but we too affirm their lives. You see, going and seeking community isn't just for our benefit. It's not just for our sake. It's for the rest of the body's sake. Other Christians, brothers and sisters who are also looking for this affirmation. We see this in scripture. Mary goes down and she's immediately affirmed by Elizabeth. But what happens? Mary, she's been living into this miracle for months now. She recognizes the miracle that is. She was never supposed to become pregnant. And here she is months along. Yet with Mary's arrival, we are told that the Holy Spirit then enters into Elizabeth. By Mary working past any potential fear of what this new plan in her life would cause, she then affirms another God follower, saying, this is how God is moving through me. Look how he's also moving through you. Friends, today, this isn't just about finding people who will say yes this isn't about finding people who are just going to make you feel comfortable. This isn't about people who are near or convenient. This is about finding people who are as illogical and nonsensical as the rest of us are. So that they can begin to speak truth through the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Who then can say, this is the hard truth. This is, I think back now that Joe's here. I'm going to go off my notes here. When I first went, when I first started having this desire for ministry. Joe was actually one of the first people I went to. And let me tell you, and this is nothing on you, Joe. This is, I'm thankful for this moment to this day. But he did everything but tell me not to go into ministry. Not because Joe wasn't aware, but because Joe, 
through the Holy Spirit needed to speak a hard truth into my life because here I was coming off of, I had given this six minute sermon and I thought I was the top dog. And I go to Joe, hey, Joe, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor because I just gave this really awesome speech about six minutes long. He's like, dude, this is much more, much more than just one minute hot sermon. This is week in, week out. Here's the grind of ministry. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he spoke a hard truth into my life. And I walked out of there not dissuaded, but more empowered, impassioned, and having a larger understanding of what ministry would require. Friends, when we begin to go out of our comfort zone, when we begin to engage with what the Lord is doing in our lives, when we begin to say, I'm laying down my fear, my insecurities, my inexperience, so that I can begin to understand what God is doing through those people and then into my life, we begin to experience what God has for each and every one of us. So we ask the question, how should we respond when God calls us to be different? And if we are to look at these stories as saying, hey, this is the pattern set before us, well, we see right immediately, Mary hurries to find community, not just any community, a community that has also said yes to God. Mary hurries to find community. But the story continues. We go into verse 42 now. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Let's stop there for a second. What a greeting this is. What a greeting this is. I mean, (laughs) it's no make sense from a father, but it is a greeting from Elizabeth who then says, blessed are you among women. I mean, look at this affirmation immediately Mary receives from Elizabeth from being surrounded by this community. But here's the kicker. We already know that Elizabeth is affirming Mary, but look what she says beyond this. Blessed, blessed is the child you will bear. At this point in time, Mary has done nothing of worthwhile achievement. Mary has done nothing but receive this amazing news and then travel uh, to the hill country. Mary isn't blessed because of what she's done. Mary is blessed for what she has said yes to and for who is in her womb. Mary is blessed because of the responsibility that is before her, not the responsibility she has already fulfilled. Mary has found community which recognizes that there is something more important than what she is or who she is. Again, this hard truth in what Elizabeth is telling Mary, she is saying, look, this isn't all about you. You've received this amazing news, but there is something more important, and it's with inside you. Blessed is the child that you will bear. Friends, today, you and I, we are Christians, yes, and amen, and we praise God, but that doesn't, that's not where it ends. That's not where it stops because there is something beyond you and me, and that is Christ Jesus. That is the reason we set aside these five weeks of Advent so that we can begin to celebrate, because we recognize that it's not about us, because we've done nothing worth cheering about. But God works in and through us when we say yes to his illogical and nonsensical callings, to be different, to be made more like Jesus. Friends, our community matters. 
our community who they are, first in them saying yes and amen to the calling of the Lord upon their lives, but what they are focused on. The community that will continually bring us, that continues humbles, that, to humble us, saying it's not about you. I'm thankful for this church because in second service, uh, we have a board member, Ron Bem, and he sits there. And uh, for weeks now, he has been shooting texts to, to Ben and myself. He says, stay humble, stay humble, stay humble. This is not about you. Friends, how amazing it is when we have a friend, when we have community, when we have a person who the Lord is working through, who continues to, to point out hard truths in our lives, who continues to remind us, hey, this isn't about you. This isn't about your success. This isn't about what you are doing, but stay humble and allow the Lord to work. I'm forever grateful for these people in my life. And it's not always good things. It's not always like, hey, stay humble, but great job. It's the friends who come up to you and say, hey, I see this in your life. You've allowed this to go over and beyond. We gotta bring you back. Because you can't be nearly as impactful or influential as you think you are because you are only working out of your own strength. This has to be from God and God alone. But friends, this community, this community isn't always going to make sense. They aren't always the people that you think should be the ones you're going to. And we see this in scripture. Here we have two women, and again, I say this each week, women in the first century, they meant almost nothing in regards to the world's eyes. And yet, right now, Luke is highlighting these two women an elderly woman and a young virgin who are supposedly, who are supposedly carrying the leaders of, of this new kingdom. Where are the men? Where is Zechariah and Joseph? Where are the people that it would have made sense for Mary to go to and Elizabeth to go to and for Luke to tell us about? It would have made sense for Mary to go to Joseph and then for Luke to tell us, hey, Joseph gave the confirmation. Yes, this is the route you're supposed to go. And in the world's eyes, this would have made sense because the man approved it. And yet Luke is highlighting, not the fact, not the fact that they are women, but he is highlighting that sometimes this community that we are called to, it's going to require us to be so intentional to go the distance to find the people who are going to say yes to the calling of God. Not saying that Zechariah and Joseph were not, but Luke is highlighting this one fact that sometimes, sometimes your community won't look like what the rest of the world desires for their, for their community. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine if, if, if Mary had gone to Joseph, and that's where the story would have ended. But how much more powerful is this story? How much more powerful is the truth of God, the calling of God on Mary's life? Because she finds affirmation, not in the sensical, not in the logical, not in the people who make sense, but in the people who say yes to God. It was, Eliz it was Elizabeth who was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was Elizabeth who had in mind the things of God. Friends, today, my question is, who are we talking to? Who is your community? Who are you seeking? Who are you desiring? Who are you striving after to receive continued affirmation for what God is doing in your life? Analyze it. Think about it. Are they just yes people? 
wanting to make you feel good and comfortable for wherever you're at, never driving you further, never experiencing or bringing forth the hard truth to make you more like Jesus? Or are you going the distance to be challenged, to be affirmed, and to experience the moving of the Holy Spirit through everybody else's lives? I'm gonna read this last verse here of this section. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Look how Elizabeth continues to affirm Mary. You and I should be encouraged by what's going on here. Mary was blessed because she believed God would work through her. Because she believed Mary was not blessed because she was already successful at raising Jesus. Mary was not blessed because she had everything figured out on how she was going to raise Jesus. Mary was not blessed because now everyone saw her as the coming mother of the Savior Jesus. Nothing in her life had changed dramatically except now she's pregnant, inexplainably so, to a world that views her already as nothing. And yet Mary is determined to be blessed because she believed God would fulfill his illogical, his nonsensical promise. I mean, imagine, sometimes I, I, I forget this, and as, as I study throughout scripture and as I read this story, imagine you were this teenage girl who inexplainably becomes pregnant, and now you gotta walk around looking pregnant to a whole bunch of people who think you're a virgin, who see that you're unmarried, can you imagine what this life would have been like? How she would possibly explain what was going on? I mean, it's not like Gabriel was following along with her and saying, hey, don't worry about her. I said she was gonna become pregnant. That's the savior in her belly. Gabriel wasn't going around with this, with this halo and the wings announcing it to the world that Mary's good. Don't worry about Mary. She's just bearing forth the coming king and savior. So we're good. Mary walked around pregnant, probably in shame and fear. Who was going to say what? Who was going to do what? How would she be looked upon? How would she be received? How would she be perceived? Now you tell me, could you believe? Could you believe what God had called you to if you were Mary? Mary was blessed not because she had everything figured out, but because she believed. It takes us back to the Old Testament again, the Old Testament being the prequel to the story that we are now in and we're reminded of a man named Abram who would go on to be called Abraham. Abram was given this calling saying, this is the impossible. And yet we know today that Abram was blessed because he believed. It was his belief in God's calling on his life that was then credited to him as righteousness. Not because he had already succeeded or because of what he had already done. And so all of a sudden we see this pattern being developed by God himself. It's not about what we achieve. It's not about the mistakes we've made. It's not about anything about our own insecurities, our expectations, our limitations. But it's about our belief in allowing God to then work through us. 
But the fact of the matter is we often don't believe because we are too scared. If I were to ask you right now, hey, do you believe that God can do anything in your life and work through your life? Probably each and every one of you would raise your hand yes. We know it. We think it in our heads. But do we actually believe it? Do we actually believe in taking that next step into the unknown, the illogical, the nonsensical? Are we able to get past our fear? Are we able to get past our own expectations? Friends, today, we aren't blessed as NAPNAS because we somehow have figured something out here at NAPNAS. Friends, today, you and I are not blessed because we have everything figured out, because we live these perfect lives. Friends, today, you and I are not blessed because we are on top of society and we're just moving forward. We're not blessed because we have had this amazing legacy of pastors come through our church. We're blessed because we had men and women who came in here and they said yes to the calling of God in their lives. We're blessed because we have youth in this church who are saying we want to take ownership of this church and be a part of what God is doing. We are blessed because we have everything figured out. We're blessed because we have people who say yes. We're blessed because we have God moving in and through our lives. Friends, you aren't blessed as parents because you have everything figured out. You aren't blessed because your kids are, are perfect. You're not blessed because you're the best at your role, your job, whatever you do. You're blessed because of one reason. Because you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your lives. Friends, today there are people here who need to hear this. There are people here who are living in shame and fear and guilt because of mistakes, because of the way they've lived. You're, you're living in pressure. You're living in prison to the, in prison to the pressures of this world. Friends, today, it's time you say yes to God. Friends, today it's time that you look at what God is doing in the lives of everybody else, just as Mary looked to Elizabeth. And you begin to understand that there is freedom. There is freedom in your story of mistakes, of faults, of insecurities, and inexperience. There is freedom when your kids learn where you have come from. Do your kids know your story? What God has called you from and to? Do your kids understand that this isn't just your hard work, but that God is working in and through your lives? Do your kids see a heart of joy permeating and overflowing from your heart in the midst of sadness and happiness? Mary began to experience something so real, even beyond this calling that seemed to not make sense. Mary allowed that community to speak truth in her life. She began to understand that it was not her circumstance, her lowly life in Nazareth that determined her identity, but simply the fact that she was willing to say yes to God. Friends, today... I want to finish with this song. Ben already mentioned part of it. But I believe this is the last part to our answer. What do we do? How should we respond? What are we to say 
when God calls us into the nonsensical, into the illogical, when God calls us to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made more and more like Jesus. If you indulge me, I want to read this to you. Not parsing it out, but see, but to see Mary's response. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Why? For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, I didn't sing that. You're welcome. But we can imagine Mary's response. And let us take note. Let us, let us realize that Mary isn't singing this song after Jesus is born and after Jesus becomes king and after Jesus does all these amazing miracles. Jesus, Mary is singing this song into the midst of the unknown having no idea what is entailed for the rest of her life. And yet she sings this song. Friends, today, when God calls us to be different, even in the eyes of our Christian brothers and sisters, are we hurrying to community? Are we allowing our community to speak truth in our life? And are we worshiping? Because it's in the midst of worship that we then recenter ourselves into saying, it's not me. It's not saying holy is my name, but holy is he who is doing great things among us. We learn from those who have gone before us. We learn from the patterns set before us and the rules that people said yes to God so that we too can say yes to God even today. Friends, today, being a Christian is not going to get any easier where we are. Fear will only continue to increase. But this fear does not have to be our identity. It doesn't have to be all about what we can achieve or what we can have a success in. Friends, today, we begin to experience freedom in the midst of sharing our faith with other believers. Yes, it's important that we share our faith with people who aren't believers, but we become empowered when we find that community. When we begin to say yes and find those who have said yes. And we begin to find that power, God's power, when we worship and center our hearts upon what he is doing in our lives. Friends, if you are fearful, if you are fearful of where God wants to take you, if you are fearful of what God wants to do through you, friends, today is the day that we say yes and then go hurriedly finding community. Are we going to be Mary and Elizabeth? Are we going to be the people who, when we look back upon the history of what God was doing, who we said yes to the nonsensical, to the illogical, we move past our fear and we receive the affirmation from other believers? Are we worshiping the God who does more than all we could ask or imagine beyond our understanding and what makes sense? How will you make this your life this week?
to say yes to God, to find that community, and to allow them to speak those truths into your life. Father, we come to you this morning giving you all the praise and glory for who you are. Lord, I pray that this scripture would be rejuvenating. I pray that this scripture would be encouraging. I pray that there are those who hear who needed to hear it, who would say yes to you and experience the freedom that you have for them. Father, would you go with each and every one of our lives, giving us the courage and the power to move beyond our fear, our own insecurities, our own immaturity. God, would you move in and through our lives? Would you help us to be a light upon a hill? Would you help us to continue the legacy that you have shown us so far? Lord, we love you and we praise you through the power of your Holy Spirit. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus that we all pray, amen. Friends, would you stand with me today as we close with our benediction? Would you read along as we have this blessing upon us? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.